Hello and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. The Bible states that the purpose of recording the life experiences of Bible characters is so that future believers can learn from their examples. Some of the instances would illustrate the penalty of evil actions and rebellion against God, while other illustrations show the great benefit of obeying God and applying His precepts to our lives. This is the first in a series of lessons on the lives of major Bible characters. One of the most interesting stories is that of Peter, the rough fisherman who became an apostle of Jesus and a leader in the church that grew from Christ's ministry. Peter is prominent throughout the Gospels and the Book of Acts, and many of us can relate to him on many occasions. The majority of the ministry of Jesus was in Galilee, a rich and beautiful area of northern Israel that included Nazareth, the hometown of Jesus. All of his twelve disciples were Galilean, either by birth or by residence, when he called them to his ministry. There was a distinct accent to those living there which easily identified them, as evidenced by the girl who recognized Peter's accent at the trial of Jesus. Life for many men there centered around the Sea of Galilee and its thriving fishing trade. The sea could become very rough in a short time, so the men were hardy, rough, and ready for any emergency. It was this environment from which Jesus chose 12 men to be the primary disciples for the future church. Peter was the one who had become the most prominent. Not much is known of Peter's early life other than his original name was Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah. The meaning of the name Simon is he who hears. Simon and his brother Andrew were fishermen, most likely working in the family business from the time they were small boys. Matthew describes the day that changed Peter's life. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Matthew four eighteen and 20. This occurred immediately after Jesus had left the wilderness where he had gone for 40 days to fast and pray before beginning his public ministry. Peter and Andrew were obviously mesmerized by the powerful anointing on Jesus to have dropped everything to follow him. Their fishing business immediately ceased, and any boats and fishing equipment or other employees were abandoned on the spot to follow a man that they had not met or knew anything about at the time. One of the first things Jesus did was to change Simon's name to Peter. In Greek, Peter's name was Petros, meaning a stone or a piece of rock. This will prove significant later in our discussion. In John 1, it is, it is shown that Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist before meeting Jesus. Again the next day, John stood with his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them, said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and he remained and remained with him for that day. One of the two who heard John speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. John 1, 35-42. At first, there would seem to be a contradiction in these two encounters between Jesus and Peter. Apparently, the first time that Peter actually met Jesus was when Andrew introduced the two of them. But Jesus did not call Peter at this time to follow him. The two brothers obviously had 
had gone back to fishing either that same day or shortly thereafter when Jesus walked by them and called them to follow him. This would make more sense once they had met and had time to consider the words of John the Baptist that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Little is known of Peter's immediate family other than his brother Andrew. The Bible does state that Peter was married because Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. Luke 4, 38 and 39. We don't know of any children that Peter had or how involved his wife or mother-in-law were in his ministry. The third chapter of Mark lists the twelve disciples who traveled with Jesus during his earthly ministry. Among them were James and John, two brothers who were called the Sons of Thunder. They were also fishermen, and along with Peter, these men formed the inner circle of Jesus that was chosen closest to him. They were privileged to see and hear things from Jesus that the other disciples were not. This is true in the church as a whole. There are some who pray, read the Word, and want to know the Lord as much as possible, while others maintain a respectable Christian life and others just linger around the periphery of His presence. It's the choice of the believer as to how close you want to be to Him. An example of this is when Jairus, the ruler of the local synagogue, came to Jesus requesting him to come and pray for his sick daughter. While on the way, people came to Jairus to say that the girl had died. But Jesus refuted that and took only Peter, James, and John to the ruler's house. There he raised the girl to life again and presented her to the unbelieving crowd outside the house. Mark 5, 31-43. Jesus knew his disciples, and he knew which ones would not hinder his work by unbelief and who would remember these examples Peter, in, later in their own ministries. Since Peter was to be a major leader in the church, he was getting valuable lessons in faith and the miracle-working power of Jesus. Another example of this is found in Mark 9. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, such as no launderer on earth could whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them, and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what else to say, for they were greatly afraid. Mark 9, 2-6. Peter was quite impulsive, as we will see from other examples. He blurts out the first thing that comes to mind, let's build three tabernacles for you. How often do we do the same thing? We say or do the first thing that comes to mind simply because we have fear and don't know what else to say. Fortunately, Jesus knows our fleshly natures and prevents us from doing many things that are unnecessary. Because these three men were shown special attention at times, there was sure to have been some jealousy and rivalry among them. Jesus at one time had to rebuke them for any arguing among themselves about which one was the greatest. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed men among themselves who would be the greatest. And he set them down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Mark 9, 33-35. 
Jesus emphasized here that there was no room for ego in the kingdom of God. Each person was unique in his or her abilities and personality. They were to work together as a team and each do what he was called by Jesus to do. In the same way, each believer today needs to use the gifts and calling unique to his own life. Don't be envious of another person's ability to do something that you cannot. God has given you that which he chose for you to do and to be. Do it and be it to the best of your ability and let others do the same. Peter apparently had a problem with holding a grudge because he asked Jesus how often he needed to forgive someone. He probably thought that he was being generous when he suggested up to seven times. Matthew 18:21. He must have thought he would be justified in holding unforgiveness against another person if that person had done wrong against him more than seven times. But Jesus dashed Peter's hopes by replying this, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Matthew 18:22. Jesus went on to compare a master forgiving a debt that a servant would, be, would find impossible to pay to a small debt that a fellow servant owed the one forgiven. It showed Peter the principle that God has forgiven us of a massive debt of sin that we could never hope to repay. In turn, we must forgive others of their small trespasses in comparison. If we hold on to unforgiveness, we are literally binding it to our own spirits, and heaven considers it bound there as well. As a result, God can neither avenge us nor can he bring justice to our own, for our own sins, and he cannot forgive us if we do not loose the offender and forgive him. Only then can God act on our behalf. I'm sure that most of us would love to have Jesus help us with our taxes every April. The local tax collector, tax collector had approached Peter to ask if Jesus was going to pay the temple tax. Peter gave them an automatic yes answer. When he came into the house where Jesus was staying, Jesus told Peter to cast a line into the sea and to pull up the first fish that took the bait. Peter did so and found that Jesus had provided enough money from a coin in the fish's mouth to pay not only his own temple obligation, but that of Peter as well. This is found in Matthew 17, 24-27. It would be wonderful if it were that easy today. One day, while Jesus and his disciples were discussing who could enter the kingdom of God, Jesus described how hard it was for those who trusted in riches to enter the kingdom. Jesus reminded them that with God, all things are possible. Peter then said, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. What shall we then have? And Jesus said this, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or child or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. Matthew 19:25-30. After Jesus has fed a multitude of people by using a little boy's lunch, he told his disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered them and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 
So he said, come. When, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, Matthew fourteen twenty-two to 32 Storms can arise very quickly on the Sea of Galilee, and they could be surprisingly strong. Their small boat was being rocked violently when suddenly disciples saw what appeared to be a spirit walking in the water towards them. The fishermen in that region believed that when they saw something like this, that it was the spirit of a fisherman whose boat had sunk and that they were the next to drown in the sea. Now Jesus immediately reassured them that he was the one that they saw. Peter, impulsive as ever, asked Jesus to let him walk on the water too. Jesus told Peter to come, and Peter took his first few steps on the water toward Jesus. But Peter made the mistake of looking at the storm and the waves, and immediately he started to sink. Crying out to Jesus, he instantly felt the strong hand of the Lord steady him on the water, and Peter walked the rest of the way back to the boat with Jesus. How often do we step out for Jesus but look around at our circumstances as we take our eyes off of Him? As long as we see Him, we can do the impossible. How comforting it is to know that He will instantly reach out to steady us when we cry out to Him for help. When everything beneath us is turbulent, He also, He always will make our steps secure in Him. Now, when Jesus began his public ministry, many people were unclear as to who he really was. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded the disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Matthew 16, 13-20 we're going to take a brief break, and you can find out how you can be witnesses to people in 177 different countries around the world. We will be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click Donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world. Welcome back. We have been discussing Peter and his the discussion of whether or not he the church was being built on him. And he said uh, that he, Jesus commanded that his disciples should tell no one that Jesus himself was Jesus the Christ. 
So Peter was the one who was quick to speak up when Jesus asked a question, and this time he was warmly commended by Jesus. Peter must have felt quite proud of himself for having received a revelation that the other disciples had not. So Jesus confirmed to them that all that he to all of them that he was indeed Christ the Son of God. There are many who quote the above passage of Scripture to say that Jesus built his church with Peter as the rock or foundation. However, Jesus would never build his church upon a frail human being with a sinful nature. This is why there is a distinction in the term rock, meaning a strong stone and referring to Jesus himself, and the name of Peter, which was Petros, or little stone. The rock that Jesus was referring to was the foundational truth that Jesus was the Son of God and that salvation was in him alone. Normally, this could be the no man could be the sinless sacrifice for us like Jesus could be. Also, there is no evidence that Peter was ever the first pope of the Roman Catholic Church. He was married, and his ministry was centered in Israel, Judea, and Samaria. At one point, he traveled to Antioch, which was in what is now Turkey. There is no biblical evidence that he was ever in Rome. His ministry was simply in Israel. Notice that Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. Now, Peter was to have the privilege of opening the gospel to the three main groups of people, which were Jews, Gentiles, and the Samaritans. More on this a little bit later. Jesus knew his man well, and he knew how prone Peter was to pride. After patting himself on the back for receiving a public acknowledgement of his God-given revelation, Peter was brought back down to earth a short time later. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and to be killed and to be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Matthew 16, 21-23. Now Peter did not become instantly demon-possessed a few minutes after declaring Jesus to be the Son of God. But his carnal mind could not conceive of Jesus being killed and his ministry ending. Obviously, he did not hear the words, and be raised the third day. This was another illustration of why Jesus was not building his church upon the man, Peter, who was not a firm foundation. Time passed, and the earthly ministry of Jesus was drawing to a close after three and a half years. He had poured himself into training his disciples, and he promised them that he would be with them always after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus spent a great deal of time explaining the ministry of the coming Comforter in John 14 to 16. He would help them, comfort them, teach them, and bring all things to their remembrance that Jesus had taught, according to John 14, 26. Finally, the night arrived when Jesus would celebrate his final Passover meal with his disciples. After the meal, Jesus took a towel and a basin of water, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. When he came to Peter, Peter at first refused, appalled at the idea of the Son of God washing his feet. But Jesus said, If I do not wash you, then you have no part with me. So then Peter begged Jesus to wash his hands and his head, as well as his feet. He did not want to risk being separated from Jesus. John 13, 4-10 Peter later declares that he would lay down his life for Jesus. But again, Jesus knew the frailty of Peter's human nature. 
Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for me and for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow before you shall have denied me three times. John thirteen thirty eight. When supper ended, Jesus and the disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to watch and pray with him. But these three, like all the others, were very sleepy. They just could not stay awake to learn valuable lessons in prayer. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out a sword and chopped off the ear of the servant of the high priest, whose name was Malchus. Now, Peter could have immediately been killed for that act, but Jesus reached down, picked up the ear, and restored it to the servant, and thus he destroyed the evidence. Luke 22, 49-51. Peter managed to get into the courtyard to watch the arrest proceedings, but he is immediately recognized as one of the disciples of Jesus. Three times he is questioned, and out of fear, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. In one of the worst moments of Peter's life, after the third time, Jesus turns and looked at Peter, who remembers that Jesus told him that one day Peter would deny Jesus three times. And Peter went out and wept bitter, bitterly. Luke 22, 54-62 Jesus is ultimately crucified, and the disciples feel lost without him. In their grief, they forget his promise that he was going to rise from the dead. But when Mary Magdalene and the other women told them that Jesus had risen from the dead, at first they did not believe him. I especially love Martha's account of this, Mark's account of this, when the angel tells the women this instruction. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. Mark 16, verse 7. The angel wanted to be sure that Peter was told of the resurrection of Jesus. Surely the Lord knew how agonized Peter was over his denial, and he wanted Peter to know that he had not forgotten him. Now when Peter and John got the news, they ran to the tomb and found it empty. At first, John did not go in, but Peter did, and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around the head of Jesus folded and lying separately, John 20, 3-7. That little detail is significant. A folded napkin at a table meant that the meal was finished. This folded handkerchief meant that the sacrifice was complete and the work of redemption was done. The men thought that there was nothing else to do after the death of Jesus but to return to their former careers. And so a few days later, they are in a boat on the sea when Jesus calls to them from the shoreline. He tells them to cast the net on the right side of the boat. Even though it was morning, they had been fishing all night, and fish do not come to the surface in the morning. Job 21, verses 1 to 11. To their surprise, the net becomes filled with fish, 153 to be exact, and it had to be dragged to shore. Jesus has breakfast waiting for them. As they sat and ate together, Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Each time, Peter replied that he loved Jesus, but he became sad after being asked the third time to declare his love. But Peter knew that for each denial, there had to be a declaration of love and loyalty to erase the pain that Peter had and to restore him in the eyes of the other disciples. John 21, 15-17 Peter would always remember his denial of Jesus, and this knowledge would keep him from lording it over the other disciples. Peter was admonished to feed the sheep, 
feed the sheep, and feed the lambs in order to prove his love for Jesus. Now Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives with his disciples on that last day, and he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Father. They wanted Jesus to restore the kingdom to Israel, but Jesus had a far bigger kingdom in mind. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 1, 7 and 8. Since Judas had killed himself after his betrayal of Jesus, Peter presided over the election of a new disciple to take his place, and Matthew and Matthias joined their company. Acts 1, 26. The disciples prayed and waited in an upper room in Jerusalem for one week until the Feast of Pentecost had come. Jews from all over the world had come to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast, and this is when the Holy Spirit fell on those waiting and praying in the upper room. Acts 2, 1-4. When a crowd gathered after hearing the 120 speak in languages that they had never learned after being baptized in the Spirit, Peter stood up to explain what had happened. Since Jesus had given Peter the keys to the kingdom, it was Peter's privilege to introduce the gospel, first of all, to the Jews. Now, every Jew knew one or, or both of the two temple languages, which were Hebrew and Aramaic. Now, since Peter was uneducated, then he most likely spoke Aramaic to the crowd, which everyone understood. He preached to them Jesus, who was crucified, and this and explained the baptism of the Spirit. Conviction fell on the entire crowd, and almost 3,000 people were saved and baptized that day, giving a glorious start to the new church that had just been born, Acts 2, 14-47. Soon after that, Peter and John went to the temple to pray and healed a crippled man sitting outside the gate by praying in the name of Jesus. This miracle stirred the crowd, and people once again, Peter once again had the opportunity to preach to a crowd, Acts 3, one to 26. The baptism of the Spirit had turned a coward into a mighty warrior for Christ who was unafraid of anything that come, came against him. These actions, of course, attracted the attention of the Jews who were not believers in Jesus. Peter and John were arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish rulership council. They were threatened and forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus, but the people were supportive of this new truth at the time, so the men were released, Acts 4, 1-22. In Acts 8, revival broke out among the Samaritans after revival by Philip the Evangelist. The people there were half Jewish and half Gentile. They had received Jesus and they had been baptized, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So they sent Peter and John, and who went down and laid hands on the people, and Peter again used these keys to open the kingdom of God and, and, the, and take the gospel to the Samaritan people, Acts 8, 5-17. Finally, Peter uses the third key to open the gospel to the Gentiles. Cornelius was a Roman centurion who prayed and gave many alms to the point of building a memorial in heaven. God sent an angelic visitor both to Cornelius and to Peter to connect the two of them. Now, when Peter arrived at the house of Cornelius, there was a large group of his family and friends who were there. 
While Peter preached, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone in the room, and they all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Jews that had come with him were astonished because they heard them speaking in tongues just as they had when they had received the Holy Spirit. The door was now open for any apostle or believer to preach the full gospel to anyone anywhere in the world, according to Acts 10, 1-48. Now Peter endured persecution, as did all of the other apostles, and he was arrested by Herod and put into prison. The church prayed constantly for him. Now one night an angel stood in the prison, woke him, and the chains dropped off. Peter at first thought that he was seeing a vision, but later realized that this was really happening. He was led silently out of the prison into the street. So he immediately goes to the home of one of the believers and knocked on the door, who at first did not believe that he was there, but he showed himself free from the prison, and the church was rejoicing and answered prayer, Acts 12, 3-19. Peter continued to minister private, primarily to the Jews, while Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, ministered to the Gentiles. While exact dates of his death are not known, tradition states that Peter died by crucifixion. Since he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus died, Peter requested to be crucified upside down. Peter's influence on the early church was immeasurable. A lonely fisherman, rough and uneducated, became one of the greatest evangelists that the church has ever known. He remained faithful to the Lord until death, and he will certainly and surely receive the crown of glory that is reserved for those who minister to the flock with Jesus, the chief shepherd, when he appears. Until then, we will continue this next week with another story of those who influence our lives and are part of the church. Until then, keep looking up. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.